minus three. With Dave Damashek. Major League Baseball All-Star Break, a.k.a. the three worst days in all of sports. Hi and hello, and welcome to the new episode of Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Dave Damashek here, Eddie Spaghetti over there in our mutual mobile Studio 66. What's happening there, Eddie Spaghetti? Boy, what a saga it's been. I've learned a lot about these United States as I've traveled back to the homeland, the banks of the Three Rivers, then to the wife's uh, homeland, the Tri-Cities, Bristol, Tennessee, to be specific. I've learned a lot. Every region in our country has its own brand of weirdos. I want to talk about all of it. Like I say, we have the American League, National League hooking up Tuesday night coming at you, the National League at uh, at present time, laying a run and a half there after Pete Alonzo, as Cousin Sal and I told you, would go back to back joining. Who's the last guy to do it? I pointed it out to Sal and now I can't think of who it was who was the last guy to go back to back in the home run derby. But anyway, congratulations to Pete Alonzo. Yeah, I said Joey uh, Gallo would do it, but that was my fallback because Sal already said Pete Alonzo and I didn't want to give out the exact same tip so I said as a fallback if it's not Alonzo it will be Gallo anywho how say you Eddie Spaghetti uh the winners uh the one is Ken Griffey Jr. who you mentioned and there's one more do you remember the other one now I could give it no I I can't think of who it was it'll give it away but he also was a Met we're still oh I was thinking it was that go ahead tell me Joanna Cespedes that's right it was Cespedes Mm -hmm. that's right Cespedes for the rest of us. Um, so yes, um, that was uh, that hit. Hope you cashed on that one. Um, do you have a do you have a leaning here? I don't know. I mean, how the I really listen. Put money where you want to put it, and if you're gonna do it, make sure you do it at FanDuel.com/slash minus three. That's the word minus the number three. And as always, follow along for all the fun at minus three pod. I don't know. I mean, uh, is there more of a crapshoot than an all-star game where the skippers are going to be rotating pitchers? You have no sense of what's upcoming here. So have your fun. Lay your money where you want. Um, you know, I guess Scherzer is the more dependable starter for what that matters. Maybe he gets a couple innings. I don't know how long the AL is going to ride with Otani on the hump. Um, it is cool that he's getting the start and is also going to be in the in the lineup. That's an awesome thing. Um, although I don't know that maybe this matters that much to him. I don't know uh, what the takeaway is from the home run derby that he kind of flopped there. Although, as we talked about on extra points, on uh, on Monday's episode, it the the home run derby has kind of now you say Ken Griffey Jr. It used to be the best players were relevant. Now it's just pure slugger. If you are if if the premise of you being in the major leagues is that you slug batting average be damned those are the guys who seem to win it and now you see pete alonzo winning it making me look smart there but do you have any thoughts on uh, on what's going to go down on tuesday night here yeah well it's funny because we um you know we record our show here and i try to get the odds up to the minute so you know around 7 30 we started recording the show i double check fano.com slash minus three see what the odds were and <clears throat> the al was giving a run and a half and now we're recording this a little bit later because we had our friend ross tucker on I'll, I'll pull back the curtain 
Yeah, Ross Tucker coming up in just a sec here. And the the line switched to AL uh, getting a run and a half now, so it, it's pretty crazy how, I guess, no one really has a feel for this game, but you did mention it, Shohei Otani, who seems to be everyone's favorite player on the planet. Uh, there's arguments going on if he's the face of baseball. I'd agree he is because he's giving the most buzz we've seen in, in quite some time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Yankees fan who are they're an American League team, so I will be rooting for the AL, and hopefully Otani has a couple good innings pitching. Not sure how long he'll be in the game, and then like to see him batting didn't have a great home run dirty performance so maybe he'll turn things around and have a pretty good performance tonight you know without where, where otani goes and you know all, all i can say about stephen a smith is and his comments i've said it before i'll say it again all you need to know is the worldview of a guy um the guy if you say, hey, hi, Stephen A., he doesn't correct you and go like, come on, Steve, I'm Steve. He goes, no, yeah, Stephen A., go through life like that. That's all you need to know. Um, but Otani combined for me with, I was on a, a, a flight yesterday and it allowed me to watch. I'd never seen the 30 for 30 of Bo Jackson and I watched it and it refreshed those. And there is a connection there between Bo Jackson and what Otani's doing right now. It's just, you know, bizarre, bizarre level stuff. It's like the kind of thing you hear about, um, tall tales of Babe Ruth was the best pitcher ever before he became the greatest hitter ever. And, um, Bo Jackson just kind of defied convention and said, like, why? Well, I'm going to play baseball, too. I'm going to dominate that. Oh, and by the way, uh, football will be my hobby and that will never work. And then Bo Jackson did make it work. And Otani, like, I'll, I'll be the at least among the best pitchers. And I will also be the game's greatest slugger. Um, and, and, and so it's special stuff. And even in our cynical society, I hope we can all enjoy what Otani's putting together here. I think all-star games, it's not a secret. I think they're a waste of time. At least no one's getting hurt in all likelihood in a baseball or a basketball one, but please let's do away with the football one already. Can we, can we stop with this jive already? Other people have picked up on it now. I've noticed in the last couple of weeks are starting to, to push Damashek's longstanding idea. Let's replace the Pro Bowl with the Loser Bowl, which is the two worst teams playing each other for the first overall draft pick. I'm not sure exactly what we could replace the baseball all-star game with. The home run derby is fine. Cousin Sal and I speculated about some other fun things. Sal had a good idea on uh, you know who's, who's the best uh, skipper trying to get thrown out of a game, who can roast an umpire effectively enough that he gets tossed most quickly. I don't know. I don't know how if you could fill three days with that, with that but a, a good thought starter from Sal. Also, I do want to talk a little uh, pro football coming up here. Quarterback rankings abound right now. And so I want to dig in a little bit on uh, the AFC specifically and where those quarterbacks are ranked. But um, the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks continue to toil. Game four coming up on Wednesday night. I am going to continue to ride with the Suns here. They are getting four and a half up in Milwaukee. I'm going to take the the Suns on the money line there, plus 152. How say you, Eddie Spaghetti? Obviously, all of a sudden, there feels like a real strong case to be made for Giannis and company. And um, Giannis is a given if they're going to continue to fight it out here and have a shot at the title. Giannis must continue to do something close to what he's done in the last couple of games. But... As important is Drew Holiday continuing to fill it up or Chris Middleton or a combo of the both uh, of the two for them to be able to vanquish it. I say that they won't be able to do it. Devin Booker with a real stinker 
in, in game three. I think he bounces back. Give me the Suns in game four on Wednesday night. How say you, Spaghetti? Yeah, I was wrong about my Suns in four bet that I made. I'm still picking the Suns to win the series. I think the Suns will win this game. I like them getting the four and a half, and, and hopefully uh, DeAndre Aiden has a monster game too because I want to keep uh, boosting that bet that I said that he will win finals MVP. But I will say this. I mean – uh, you know, I know the Sun, some members of the, the Sun staff are being looked at for other uh, NBA coaching positions. Obviously, they have a really, really well-coached team, a deep team. They're the better team than the Bucks. The difference maker is, like you said, is Giannis. And if he somehow wins this series by himself, because it, it's all because of him, he's having an unbelievable final so far. This stretch is unreal. If he wins this, I mean, this is an all-time like great performance in the history of sport. And this whole NBA playoffs has been kind of – you know, asterisk with, well, look how many injuries there's been. Every single team at least has one major guy missing, and most teams missing stars. So it's been kind of underwhelming in that regard. The one team that's not really missing a star, and we thought they were going to be without Giannis, that we thought he was done with the, with the knee injury, and he's back and playing. They're the one team that's kind of avoided the, the injuries, and they've kind of got through this whole thing, and he's been playing better than we've really seen any player historically right now. I mean, if it's because he faked that knee injury, that's I, I, it why it must have been. I mean, if he if he pulls this off, this is going to be it, it goes from being a finals and an NBA playoffs that were like, ah, this is so weird. All these good players got hurt to now like, wow, Giannis is uh, the one of the best ever. Like a historic run, stayed in a small market, got through this injury. I mean, again, we don't know what the severity of it really was, but it's it's something else. But that being said, I'm not going to try to reverse on my bet. I still do pick the Suns. I like the Suns to win the series and this game. But man, oh man, Giannis is something else. Well, it really does matter, though. I think uh, to further your point, as a matter of fact, if Giannis continues to play like this, that's good for the Suns, too, if they end up being the champ. Because it's not enough to just uh, there are ones I don't, fraudulent isn't the word. But yes, the asterisk. Um, playoffs that these NBA that this entire NBA tournament has kind of turned into it at least at the end will feel for history's sake um, more meaningful if Giannis is doing this and everybody's healthy on both sides we'll, we'll, we'll look at it a little bit differently I just had a conversation the other day my my point of reference for these kind of things is it does matter who you beat obviously Larry Holmes is one of the great heavyweights of all time people just don't remember him that way because who did he beat Jerry Cooney um, you know 68 year old Muhammad Ali um, these are, the, you know, he didn't have the signature win. Um, and it does matter. The one I always use is the Dallas Cowboys of the early 90s. They would be remembered as the best team of the 20th century. Um, forgive me, Pittsburgh Steelers fans of, uh, of the 70s. We would regard the Troy Aikman, Jimmy Johnson, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin. Cowboys is the best team of all time, of at least the 20th century, had the Bills beaten the Giants in had Scott Norwood made that kick in 1990 the Bills would have a luster about them that they don't presently have which is kind of punchline level stuff they lost four straight Super Bowls but if instead they beat the Giants and even if they lose to Washington in between that by the time they play the Cowboys in their third straight Super Bowl we would consider them a titanic all-time team the Bills and if the Cowboys 52-14 that Bills team then that elevates the Cowboys it does matter who you beat so interesting point there on what Giannis is doing I'm going to stick with the Suns here and FanDuel Sportsbook 
has a championship offer, whichever way you lean, that you don't want to miss because during these finals, new users get 30 to 1 odds on either team. That means you win $150 on a $5 bet. I like the Suns for the reasons that I've been laying out for you for the last several weeks there. I think Devin Booker has a has a bounce back from, from an anomalous awful game there I, I said the cousin Sal was almost John Stark's level atrocious in game three given um what uh, what the Suns need him to do to be effective but I like uh, Spaghetti said it before the series began I don't think your boy Aiden's out of the running for MVP of this series there Spaghetti um but either way FanDuel Sportsbook we like betting on there of course um lots of fun ways to bet like exactly the one we're talking about here just make sure you use the promo code minus three the word minus the number three to bet on it to get 30 to one odds there spaghetti is going to continue with uh, the suns in game four or are you really off of the sweep thought here now i mean are you do you think now suns in five because that's what i think i yeah i mean uh, i'm i mean i don't know if Giannis is going to play a combination of michael jordan lebron james and shaquille o'neal it's hard to be like yeah suns in five and you just keep adding a game to it but uh but yeah i mean i'm 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 riding with the suns i'm not going to flip my pick i think they're the better team they're, they're the definitely the better coach team because uh, Budenholz has been kind of uh, subpar i think throughout these playoffs he's really getting saved by Giannis. so uh, yeah let's let's go uh i i feel 51 percent confident in the uh, the phoenix suns so that's all you need I mean, how sick must you be? I mean, you keep saying Giannis, and now that is the story, and it is fun, funny how fast time moves. But, I mean, how sick do you have to be that you couldn't get past the Giannis-less bucks when you had a shot to do it you know that, that that's gonna be a pain a thorn in people's side for for many moons here um before tucker joins us here the there's some new espn has qb ranking lists out now this is of course july and before we go to training camp everybody's got to do their rankings of course damashek has been doing this for 20 years now everybody loves ranking qbs and of course it's lots of fun to do Mahomes one, Rogers two. We'll see where Aaron lands there. Who won the? Uh, I missed the spaghetti. Who won the golf thing? The I believe Vinny Del Negro beat John Smoltz in like a, a a playoff, or it was close at the end. But Vinny Del Negro, former NBA player and coach, uh, won that tournament. I gotta say, I really don't like seeing Aaron Rodgers have such a gorgeous golf swing. How did that, it, it's too much already? It is Bo Jackson level. I was I can't swoon over Bo Jackson and Otani, but but then um, give Rodgers the hi hat. But it's too much already. May, marrying some uh, A list celebrity now. It's about you know how many good things can you have in your life, Aaron Rodgers? But so how does he do in those? I, it, it seems like he should do well. Does he rank in the leaderboard? Uh, I'm not sure if he's considered like one of the grades. The only other highlight I saw was uh, Mike Madonna. I think got a double eagle during the tournament. But so I don't oh my god, Madonna's another one with a with with one of the nicer swings. Go- hockey players, if you aren't aware, are, are they walk out to a man? They walk out onto the golf course the first day they ever swing a, a club in their a ten handicap because they can all pound the ball like nobody's business. They they just need to learn to control it and um, and uh, handle themselves around the green. But they all immediately are hitting uh, three hundred yard drives the first time they get out there. Again, unfair. But in Mike, I'll say something nice about Mike Madano. 
I feel the most underrated player of his era. People somehow forget about how good Mike Madonna was and for how long he was good. But uh, let's not get sidetracked talking about uh, stars great Mike Madonna. Um, so Rodgers is two, Brady three. You know, the ongoing conundrum of clearly not the most physically gifted, but the most dominant in, in uh, the sports history. I think it's interesting, though, the one that jumps out at me. Um, I want to get Ross Tucker's thoughts and where, you know, what we've already seen versus what we think is going to happen and, and trying to to balance those two things out. Suddenly it feels to me like that has never been uh, harder to divine where you rank Baker Mayfield versus Ben Roethlisberger, where you rank Tua versus, um, you know, Cam Newton. And it's really a struggle right now as you try to assess, you know, top 15 if you try to do top 32 kind of guys. But the funniest one of all is all of a sudden, everybody has Matthew Stafford. They have him on the CSPN ranking, all the coaches and players, whatever have Stafford now at six. I defy you to find anybody who had Matthew Stafford. You talk about circumstance versus individual skill level. This is becoming the all-time one. And if Matthew Stafford goes out there and does what I think he's going to do, which is take the Rams um, to a division title and to the Super Bowl, um, it it, it is really interesting and will make us all, I think, kind of reassess the way we do these kind of things because it's very easy to put Mahomes at the top when he is – consistently getting his team near or to a Super Bowl early in his career. Matthew Stafford obviously has never done that. So how much do we put that on the Detroit Lions versus Matthew Stafford? How say you, Eddie Spaghetti? Where do you have Stafford? Did you always have him in this? It really is funny the way people are trying to wash their hands of wherever they had Stafford for the last 10 years. And all of a sudden, yeah, of course, we always knew he was one of the best quarterbacks in the I, league. I definitely think that's part of it because they're knowing that he's now in like the, you know, the middle, you know, prime-ish area of his career he's going to a much better team and the, when his career is all said and done he's going to have great pat like really gaudy numbers you know he yeah like it might have been a lot of garbage time stuff in detroit but he's going to have the passing yards the touchdowns so people want to be on the right side of history going oh yeah yeah see look i we've always liked matt stafford now i will say this list uh, according to espn's list is comp- like it's 50 coaches execs players scouts so it's people within the nfl so i guess they have a different view maybe of what the media has been portraying Stafford. They've always known he's good. I mean, he, you know, he knew coming into this league from Georgia, he had a rocking arm and yeah, he was. I know, but I'm not talking about fans. This ain't, this ain't fan level. Like we always like, I'm talking about these guys, these scouts, these coaches. I don't, I don't remember hearing a ton of, I know everybody always said, Oh, it's physically gifted and all that, the deep ball. And I, you know, I, I have pointed out over the years, there are maybe three guys when Stafford is at his best. There may be three guys on the planet that could make some of the deep sideline throws that he makes. He can throw some lasers on the money on par with, you know, my touchstone is uh, Roethlisberger always. And, you know, people beating him up pretty good these days. But he's in that conversation, the deep ball, the sexy deep ball that Russell Wilson throws is uh, is no secret to anybody. Aaron Rodgers and I guess Mahomes is in that conversation. But he is on the very short list of 
of having that laser arm, like you say, and throwing the ball with accuracy downfield. But I don't remember hearing a ton of people when they when, when you talk about who's the guy you want leading. It's always, you know, Brady and all of that kind of stuff. You don't hear Stafford a great deal. All of a sudden, that conversation has swung mightily now that he's with Sean McVay, right? Yeah, this is his one chance, you know, with this new team, this new regime is to, to win something here. Uh, because if he doesn't, he's going to end up being, to me, it's like, you know, the quarterbacks of this era who – were very good statistically, but never got, you know, never won a Lombardi or, or, but like Matt Ryan to me is a guy that like doesn't get talked about as hmm. being really good from this era. It's like, well, when they're both their careers over, this is unless either Matt Ryan miraculously wins one with the Falcons or he moves somewhere else and wins one or Stafford and this new Rams team wins one. Like I, the, when the careers are over, I'm going to want Matt Ryan's career because he's probably going to have better numbers. He won an MVP and he made it to a Super Bowl and he really should have won the Super Bowl. To me, that's a Hall of Fame career. I'm not sure if Matt Stafford deserves a Hall of Fame career because like we're probably not going to give one to Phil Rivers. So it's like, why would Stafford get it? So it, it is strange now that he's six. I wouldn't put him on six in the list. I'm also not the best with lists because I don't know what this list means. Does this mean like you want him as your quarterback of your team or are you ranking him like in terms of who is the best? But then when I think that, I think fantasy numbers and I wouldn't necessarily put Stafford six like there's a guy like Kyle Murray who is a dual threat and who had a, an unreal first half of the season probably before a shoulder injury so like he's a guy that I think would probably leapfrog him I'm also you know Dak at seven I think Dak fully healthy is an unbelievable talent and I'm saying this is a Giants fan so it's like it's very strange to have him there I also think Lamar, I'm not as low on Lamar Jackson as you are guys with the dual threat option I think are, are where the leaks I'm not so. down you know I'm not down on Lamar Jackson I don't like that situation at this point but well I guess I am because I did. I yeah, I heralded his breakout as you know two years ago. Yes, I told yes. you exact. So far, I've I've been exactly right about Lamar Jackson and what he and what he's his trajectory in the league. I don't think he's going to be bad in 2021. I think now the offensive line isn't going to be as consistently dominant and i think the defense is going to be maybe a little bit of a letdown so the that one the the stafford thing jumped out to me and um lamar jackson over justin herbert i i uh, call me uh a cynic i think i mean jackson at eight herbert at nine it's uh we're splitting hairs here if you said who do you want to start in 2021 for your team I would be willing to bet that most coaches would go with Justin Herbert um, based on his year one versus what we saw from Lamar Jackson. It's just, there's a, a obviously a risk factor too if you're dependent on on your legs, as we've seen many times over. You mentioned Jack Prescott, who's not even a running quarterback. Uh, any number of examples. They're diminishing returns if that's what your your uh, um, quarterback and is based around to some degree. There, you know, it, it's not going. You're not going to be able to ride your legs long term, and it's just a question of sure. when does when does that switch have to happen for Lamar Jackson well, for the Ravens to well, keep on winning double digit games. I will say they're in the draft. I'm adding Rashad Bateman, who I'm a huge fan of. I think he's a receiver who's not getting enough. You know, everyone's talking about the the, the Alabama receivers and, you know, the Giants getting Kadarius Tony. It's like we're forgetting about Rashad Bateman, a first-round pick. I think he's going to be really impactful for the Ravens. So I kind of like the Ravens uh, this year, and I think Lamar is going to have a pretty good passing season. All right. I mean, I, 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 I still, you know, I would take Justin Herbert, and that's uh, why I say he's going to a Super Bowl in year two, his sophomore season. We'll see at SoFi Stadium in February. In the meantime, Eddie Spaghetti, like I said, I've been traveling around the country, um, Pittsburgh, 
ate a lot of food. I think I, I, I haven't gotten on the scale yet. I'm, a, I'm worried about doing it. I'm afraid to get on the scale after nearly a fortnight of eating promantes. And let me just say something to you, spaghetti. I, I know I talk a lot of stuff. I, I like to support. I'm loyal to the banks of the Three Rivers, as I say, when it push comes to shove, black and gold over red, white, and blue. Um, you know, another one of my creeds. I don't care if you're black or white. I just care that you're black and gold. You know how I feel about these things. I talk a lot of stuff about even the food. I'm proud of the food. And Promanthes is near the top of that list for me. I took the kids there. I took Jean-Claude Van Damaschek and, uh, and Oprah over to the original Promanthes uh, at the Strip District. And we ordered it up and uh, ordered up uh, kielbasa and cheese uh, for Oprah. And I, and by the way, I did do the ordering for them, like a gentleman would in, in past generations for his lady friend at a, at a fancy restaurant. Instead, I sat flanked by, um, by my elder children, and I ordered up a pastrami and cheese for the boy. And they were delivered to us. And let me tell you something. They have their fastball like, you know, I know, I, I get it. In our ever-changing world, you know, everybody, you know, vapid cynics around us. Everybody's going to say, not as good as it used to be. Man, all that kind of stuff. Promanthes hit the spot like nobody's business, Eddie Spaghetti. And I'm lowering my voice because it's, you know, that's how serious I am about it. I, it was just divine stuff. And I could almost weep at how good those Promanthe sandwiches were and still are now the sad thing is between that and the minios pizza and the bojangles fried chicken i had down in tennessee which was delicious as well and the biscuits and gravy i fear if i get on the scale we'll see something in the range of 67 to 68 pounds gained i'm worried sick about it well, that's when you have to do what I do, and when you eat like that, you have to just go and and lift the uh, you know the iron, and then you turn that into to mass, and then it, that's all good. Is that true? Yeah, that's what. That's happens. what'll happen if I go lift right now. I'll, I'll it'll turn into muscle. You should go watch um, this documentary on Netflix about Ronnie Coleman, who's uh, it's like kind of like a tragic story because his body's kind of broken down now, but he was like the best Mister Olympia of all time, and he would just eat like I mean, thirty pieces of chicken. But like uh, he would eat like ten different meals a day. He would uh, he would set alarms like three o'clock in the morning to eat a meal. So that's what you could do, like for, with permanies hmm. and and you know biscuits. I could and gravy. do that. Yeah, I do. Uh, that's a conversation for another time because you're a lifter. It does seem to me every region has some legit and unique weirdos. You know Pittsburgh with you know that they're. they're we went to Kennywood Park and we rode the great roller coaster. So many good roller coasters there, Eddie Spaghetti. Um, but Pittsburgh has its own brand of weirdo. And then down Tennessee way, obviously, um, they're stereotypical people that, in fact, you do see in those parts. And then you come out to L.A. It's no wonder that everybody, you know, uh, the, the, my point is it's a point of unity. It's we all can identify other regions weirdos but what we should do is celebrate that we each have our own weirdos but there's no region of the country that has more weirdos than any other 
region of the country, if you know what I mean. We are one, Eddie Spaghetti. That's my message of unity today. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, we're now a self-help uh, podcast, not even a sports podcast anymore. Just uh, embrace your inner weirdo. And uh, we all yeah. unite, unite the states. I was also that's something else. I, my, my brain is fuzzy from because that's a new thing that happens when you're old. You start getting actual jet lag when you fly across the country. I get it when I fly back from sure. somewhere. So I'm a little yeah. jet lag. So my brain is fuzzier than usual. But that's another thing that stood out to me. You see a lot of as you go through airports and whatever, and you pick up random magazines and stuff. A lot of self-help. I mean, the, the self-help stuff, ironically, requires other people to tell you how to help yourself every uh, other selves are telling you how to help yourself all the time and it seems to me that the self who says i can help you help yourself you got to have some balls to go around telling everybody else what to do i tell you what to eat okay i tell you what uniforms look good and everything else but you really gotta have you gotta have some balls to decide that I'm going to write a book that tells you, like, here's, here's what I do, and so you should do that too. It's a weird irony, if nothing else, of self-help. But everybody's trying to help other selves help themselves. And um, the other thing that I was going to say before about weightlifting is it seems to me there are there's some percentage of guys out there that are still getting super jacked up, and they must resent society for like, wait, when did we stop? having like Arnold Schwarzenegger level kind of fit in it, like that kind of jacked up kind of thing. When did that go out of style? Because you really got bait and switch there. Cause now in 2021, the ideal for how you're supposed to look if you're fit is not to be all that jacked up. I feel bad for people like that. You're maybe one of those guys though, Eddie Spaghetti. How say you? I am. Well, I mean, I'm not even going to put myself in the class of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's ridiculous. I'm not even no, neither that, am I. You're not. I'm you're not, certainly not. You're I'm slobby. Just, I'm, I'm, you you could be a slob for his. I, that's what. That's what's fascinating about Eddie Spaghetti is that you know you're you really can depending. It, it depends whose eyes are looking at you. Some people might say, "Boy, that guy's jacked up." Other people might say, "Slob who needs to lose thirty to sixty pounds." Um, I wouldn't go as far as 60. I wouldn't even go as far as 30 okay. either, but I would, okay. I, I'm definitely not, okay. at, I'm not at my peak, but I, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger frame. So I'm, I'm never going to be like the current, the 2021 ideal male of like the very lean, big bone, like, you're big guy. boned in other words. That's just not going to be me. Um, it's just a bigger body. So I kind of use the, the lifting thing to my advantage. I'm not some jack house either. I'm just like a, I'm a regular guy. I'm just, I'm a jag. <laughs> I'm a bigger. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big Jack. That's what I am. I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody coming away from this conversation as as misinterpreting Damashek's words as saying that uh, that I conflate Eddie Spaghetti with uh, Schwarzenegger as Mr. Olympia era. You know, I, I I don't want that. I'm trying to figure it out. It really is. Uh, you know, you're one of like the that Seinfeld episode with the. Um, the the woman who looks good in certain lights like i can't tell is eddie spaghetti super duper jacked fit guy or is he merely uh you know borderline slobby and who needs so anyway we'll figure that out as things go forward one guy who is beyond reproach and i was reminded of this watching the 30 for 30 and it makes me uh, it reminds me, we have to get back, and maybe July is when we should do it. We have to figure out our inaugural class of the Hall of All. As you know, 
I don't, uh, you know, these these halls of fame are jive, they're pious, they should all be transported. A again, as you drive the freeways and highways of America, it's always cool when you see somebody, and also weird when you see somebody literally moving a house um, on the back of uh, an 18 wheeler on the bed of a thing. They, they literally can move entire houses. Let's move all those halls of fame up to Mount Pius where they belong. And by the way, baseball too, the entire sport of baseball needs to be played up there, but at least the halls of fame, leave those back where they belong. And instead we need to start fresh with people like, and one of the number one people that needs to go in Bo Jackson, what he did was the greatest, and I think we need to start with that. So drop us a line. I, how best to do it, Eddie Spaghetti? Drop us a line Tweet. at minus three pod. Mm -hmm. Tweet us at minus three pod and let us know. And the standard is simple, eternal greatness in sport. Who belongs in? And I don't know. Like, do we need to – I guess – it feels xenophobic or something if we don't include Pele and, you know, who's ever good at soccer now. But I think that for the uh, – yeah, but then we also want to include Federer and guys like that. So, yes, hall of all. We will truly hall of all this thing. Who are – the, the true greats, and it's not based on numbers because that's how you wind up with guys like Harold Baines in the Baseball Hall of Fame when obviously nobody thought Harold Baines when they were watching him was like, yes, he's a generational great. What we need are the true great, the guys who rise above the and, and women who rose above their peers and stand out for eternity or at least should. I'm worried, Spaghetti, that your generation and beyond – doesn't know the greatness of Bo Jackson. Disabuse me of this quickly, and then we'll get to Ross Tucker. Here. No, that's, I mean, that's pretty accurate, because uh, I'm 29. I've never, I don't think I watched him live. Um, I, I could have, I guess, when I was very young, but I, I don't think I remember seeing him play. And But, like, the Bo knows 30 for 30 is quite popular. I have seen parts of that. Uh, you know, what's funny, the, the one thing I will add about a guy like him uh, being a two-sport athlete, which I think is incredible, especially at the, the professional level, and there's other, you know, folks that have done it, which, so I give them a ton of credit. And it's a Brian Jordan, right? Brian. He's another one. Everybody says Dion, Dion but people yeah. forget Brian Jordan was really good for the Braves and for the I, Falcons. I think there's a weird thing happening in society at the very, very, very young level where you're almost being not like force, but kind of told not to do multiple sports because if you want to focus on want to be good at one, you you should focus all your attention and energy into that one sport. And I distinctly remember in like high school, uh, like our football coach not being thrilled with some kids who wanted to play baseball. And like, because you have obviously the sports are different seasons. And it was kind of a frown, like you're allowed to legally, but it was a frowned upon thing. And I've heard that from quite a bit of people that they don't like the idea of, of doing the multiple sports. Um, you know, Justin Barnes mm -hmm. is a guy that comes to mind too, could have played in the NFL, would have won first round, plays, you know, as a pitcher in MLB, uh, pretty decent career. It's it's a thing you're not going to see a lot more of, the, of that, and there's going to be a lot more of uh, Samarja or a lot more Bo Jacksons because people now, 13, 14 year old kids are like, hey, if you want to play baseball, play baseball. You want, you got to join three baseball teams. Do not play football. Do not play basketball and Man, baseball. But let me just say, that's another name. That's a great one. I mean, he's not going to make our Hall of All, but Jeff Samarja is a really good one, and I think what I mean, the, it doesn't make sense. You would think, as self indulgent as people are, we all I always talk about the the vanity slash 
slash narcissism of the 21st century. And I, I want to do what I want to do and what I feel is what matters um, as much as what you feel and and all of that kind of talk. I, you would think you would see more people doing it, not fewer. But but it was so anomalous at the time it happened. It, when it went down in the 80s, it it, it was crazy it was like wait Bo Jackson the guy who won the Heisman Trophy is mad at the Buccaneers so he's not going to play football and wait he's that he's going to go play for the Kansas City Royals fat that's not going to last he's just trying to do what John Elway did um which was really uh, what was that about five years prior to that was like all right I don't want to go play for you Colts so I'm going to go to the Yankees and it was like a scare tactic that kind of worked and they traded him the Broncos and the rest is history so there was kind of that cynicism applied there like Bo's not really going to play for the Royals long term he's just trying to get the Bucks to move him or something and then it was like oh he's playing for the Royals wait he's awesome he's he's not consistently dominant but he does things on the baseball field nobody's ever seen before literally running up the sides of wall and breaking bats over his head and all that kind of stuff and just making impossible plays. And then he goes and plays, and then he plays for the Raiders and it all was just going down. Like, what the hell is happening right now? Because you're not allowed to do that is what it felt like. It felt like he's defying the, the rules makers. Um, and you realize like, oh yeah, the world's not ending at him doing this. And then Deion Sanders did it well, like we say, and Samarja, you know, let's get some other guys doing it. Who's got the Russell Wilson? Could he really make it that way? We know our pal David Carr can throw even just as a as an example. Um, you know, first overall draft pick back at the start uh, near the start of the 21st century. And we saw him without, you know, training or anything in baseball go out. Uh, what was that a couple of years ago when we went outside and he threw low 90s heat. Yeah, I mean, there've got to be a bunch of guys that can do that, right? If, if Otani can do it, it's a matter of will at some level. If you're that superhuman, could other guys do what Bo and Otani are doing? Or is it truly that there are only, I, and I do think there are only a small handful of people walking the planet Earth that could get away with doing it. But I still feel like some of those people are not tapping into their full potential by not doing this kind of thing. And maybe the reason is because what you touch on is that, yes, the system pushes you. Well, if you're good at baseball, then you got to focus on baseball. But it's also like an earning potential kind of thing. And also, to my point, Bo is a little bit slipping through the cracks to me because there aren't numbers to support his greatness. And so what do we go off of in our age of, uh, you know, of advanced uh, metrics and everything else that Bo is going to slip through the cracks a little bit, right? Maybe that's why guys aren't doing it as much. I also think that the ones who do, we, we know about the names that we're bringing up are guys that were equally good at both sports where like the minute these you know, some athletes drop in one, they kind of get rid of the other sport. You know, uh, Tom, Tom Glavin's another name that he was right there by the Los Angeles Kings. I actually think I put in the rundown too, is like your Pirates drafted two guys. One is a Penn State football recruit and the other one's a Clemson uh, football recruit, but they're, they're going to get pretty decent baseball salary. So it still happens here and there, but eventually there comes a time where, you know, a coach comes to you or, you know, general manager and is like, all right, you got to make a decision here. You got to, you got to pick either football, you got to pick baseball. And, you know, they're going to, you know, the Kyler Murray uh, scenario. So they got to pick what they want to do. They're not going it, to, it's just a weird time where you're, you're not really encouraged to do both. If you, even if you could accomplish both. 
I guess I'm just kind of rambling here because I'm all over the place with my thought. The, 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 the point I am attempting to make to, to rise above everything else is that I understand that it is very rare that somebody is so gifted that they can do it. And the point is to appreciate Bo. And I worry we're not appreciating Bo. And how I know that we're not really appreciating Bo is that for all the celebration of Otani, I feel like it's not as much as it needs to be. Right? I know he's not even playing two sports, but he's doing two different disciplines within the sport. And I know that we appreciate him, but that there's a debate about like, um, is he the face of baseball? Like, well, yeah, of course. He's doing something that no one has ever done before. Literally, Babe Ruth wasn't pitching while he was uh, leading the league in home runs, unless I'm mistaken. I could get in the Wayback Machine and look it up if only I had a uh, a uh, a device direct that I'm looking into right now that could provide me with that information. Oh, well. L- All right, Spaghetti. Anything else or should we, uh, is it time to roll into some hot football talk and otherwise with our pal Ross Tucker? I think we get into some hot football talk. Let's do it. We're joined right now, though, to talk a little bit of pro football by one of our all-time favorite fellas um, from the Keystone State or beyond. It's Ross Tucker, of course, of the Ross Tucker Football Show and beyond. What You know what? I always let you plug it because you got too many things to plug, and I'm too lazy to pull them up here right in front of me after uh, having a little bit of. I do that too, <laughs> by the way. I, I do that too. I, I had I had our buddy Jeff Schwartz on yesterday's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I know he's doing like five things. I was like, Jeff, you'll do a better job than I would of promoting it, <laughs> but really, I just didn't know what they all were. So. Yeah, I you know, forget all the uh, color commentator stuff. Those are like big companies that make millions of dollars. We don't need to promote that. Just follow my social media, at Ross Tucker NFL. And, yeah, I do a daily podcast, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and I got a gambling one, Even Money. I got a fantasy one, Fantasy Feast. I, got a, I love the college draft podcast because it's sort of like we're talking – college football, NFL draft, and college football betting all in one. And then Andrew Brandt does the business of sports on my platform as well. And I saw he just posted the uh, NFL business Hall of Famers, which is like a real backhanded compliment. Not even a backhanded compliment. It's like here are the guys that made way more money than they should have. And I think I want Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford. Yeah, that's Sam number, number one, two, and three. <laughs> you know, you know who's even better than Sam Bradford? Actually, Chase Daniel. Chase Daniels made forty million dollars, uh, hmm. and he started like four games. Like I started twenty-five <laughs> games and probably made like four million dollars or three million. I don't even know what it was. Like Chase Daniel, it, that like Sam Bradford at least played a lot of games and uh, broke a lot of ligaments and stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like Chase Daniels never even gotten hurt. That doesn't count. That's not pro football. He's never even gotten hurt. So I, yeah. I will say this though. I didn't even read Andrew's whole story. He's going to be on tomorrow's Ross Tucker podcast to discuss it. He had Fitzpatrick on there. And that kind of bothers me because I feel like Fitzpatrick has actually earned all that money. Like, Fitzpatrick's not a guy. He, Fitzpatrick's never made over twenty million dollars in a year. He just had a bunch of teams be like, "Yeah, that dude's still worth five. He's still worth 10. He's and, and by the way, he is. You know, like Washington's paying him ten this year. He's worth. He's easily worth ten million dollars. So 
I am going to attack Andrew Brandt on tomorrow's Ross Tucker podcast for uh, putting my boy Fitz, my Ivy League brother from another mother, in the uh, Sports Business Hall of Fame. Because it's really district. Like, you, you want to be on that list because you want to have made that money, but you don't want people to act like you weren't worth that money. I hear you. I hear you. And Matt Flynn, I guess, is kind of uh, one of those touchdowns, oh, yeah. too. So I'll let you do all that. I do want to talk about uh, Fitzpatrick does lead us to some QB talk. And I, I, I there's never a bad time for pro football QB and uh, analysis. And so I do want to talk to you about that as well. Washington specifically. It is amazing that Fitzpatrick, because it does feel like it's been this extended window of 15 minutes of fame for this guy. Like, ah, he grows a long beard and he opens up his shirt. And by the way, after two weeks of vacation of doing stuff like floating out on a lake and all that sort of stuff, I have an announcement. I am seriously considering. I haven't made a final determination one way or the other yet. Um, but I am leaning hard towards becoming full-time a two-open-button-at-the-top-of-the-shirt guy. Permanent-like. Whoa. I mean, I'm doing Whoa. it right now, and this is an audio podcast, and I just unbuttoned the second button. I don't know. I think I can get away with it. I mean, what you don't want, I think, is like Alec Baldwin and Ryan Fitzmagic. They are the kind of swarthy fellas like me, like – they get the real tufts of hair pouring out. To me, that's unseemly, especially if you're trying to enjoy a meal. But I happen to not have that for a swarthy fella. I don't have like major amounts of like top of, you know, near the neckline chest hair. So I think I can get away with it. What do you think, Ross Tucker? You're looking at it. Am I that guy, though? Am I do I cut the you know, is is the cut of my jib? One that that would make it seem like, boy, he's try he's it's an affectation or Damashek is he he should standardly be two or maybe even three buttons down. No, I think you could be a two button open guy because it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's a that's mentality. what I mean, right? I know it. You're really you're really trying to send a message. It's the same thing with the guys I see that still like pop their collar. You know, like when you <laughs> yeah. pop your collar, you're let's be honest. When you pop your collar, you're trying to say to people, I have a lot of money. Man, that's like, why it else is? You do that? That's it. That's the statement. I didn't know that. that. I, I never knew that. When everyone pops their collar, they're like, uh, I, my family has wealth. I'm old money. And they bought me these 80 uh, Brooks Brothers and polo shirts. And I can just pop the collar on them because. My dad owns a yacht like that. That's I see. That, that's the message I'm getting. You know, what I think it's interesting. I think this is actually like a Seinfeld episode. The thing I would say, uh, Sheck, is not all shirts and button placements are created equal. Well, that's definitely true. That's I mean, that's what launches, as you say, Seinfeld episode one is that's the first discussion. And that's final the first discussion. episode. I think I'm pretty sure that is a point of discussion in the pilot because they call back to it when they're sitting in the jail cell in the final scene of um, the uh, the episode uh, of the last Seinfeld episode. I think they're calling back to their first inane discussion. By the way, you are you are a guy like you've done writing for television, correct? That's correct. Is you think it's battle bots and uh, battle bots and beyond? Yes. Okay. Do you think it's fair to say a lot of times like 
what do they write? Like 10 episodes and then it's a success. And then they do a second, a second, uh, you know, second series or whatever. Um, and then you get to the point where like, I'm amazed how many of them have bad endings. And it's like, wow, they really didn't think this through. Like they, they really didn't like, like I was a big, how I met your mother guy. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I were. You were. And when that show, right. when that, when that show ended, right. I was like, I was like, what? I like, I was angry. Like, if I saw, there's two people in Hollywood I really don't like. Okay. Uh oh, look out. Whoever, whoever <laughs> wrote the the final episode of How I Met Your Mother, mm-hmm. it, it's just so disrespectful to the people that invested so much time into it. Number one. And then number two, um, David Schwimmer, R- Ross from Friends. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, this is during my formative years of junior high and high school, and he made the name Ross seem like a dweeby, nasally uh, loser. Ah, uh, Rachel, why? Like, why don't you like me? Like, and I, even though Shaq, I know he was just playing a character on a TV show. And he might be a stud, like he might be an awesome guy that never whines. Like he was just, pl- I, I understand all that. I would still really like to punch him in the face if I saw him. Like, you know what? Eddie Spaghetti, Eddie Spaghetti, two things. First of all, um, I, it just occurs to me no offense to you, Ross Tucker. I enjoy you as a fellow, but uh, weird name for a baby of the day, Ross. Ross, the baby. That's weird. What were your parents thinking there? Like, I, oh, look at the little fella. So adorable. Ross. Ross, the baby is weird. Russ is kind of cute. Russell, the baby is kind of, but Ru- But I hear your larger point. I hate Russ. I don't like the name Russ. I get Russ, Russ sometimes. Ross is cool. Russ is like a grown up. I'm not it's not an indictment of you as a as a teen, tween, or a grown-up. I'm saying as an infant, it's a strange name. Uh one. And two, I think we maybe have stumbled into a new segment here. Uh Ross Tucker, Caddy Hollywood bitch. He just like he just he he just he takes out all his Hollywood, uh, you know, all his uh, grievances here on the show. We bring him on here to call out people in show business. Of course, that's the loss the the lost Ross on Lost is right. Ro- lost stinks because of the ending and clearly they didn't plot out the ending before they started the series and the even more vexing one is Game of Thrones. That was the all-time. Like, how can you ever... Awful. It it has created a generation's worth of cynics. Who's ever going to invest in a TV show again after going through that debacle? But listen, let's talk about sports now because our time is limited here. I do want to talk about the QBs here. And I also want to make a little bit of time for our ongoing uh, important issue of the Hall of All, of honoring the people who truly deserve eternal... Um, homage in sport and not this jive of like the people of Mount Pius determining who's worthy of our Hall of Fame, not just as athletes, but as human beings and all that jive. Let's dispatch with that nonsense, leave those Halls of Fame back in the 20th century where they belong and start anew with our own Hall of All. And uh, it's based on the documentary I watched on my flight yesterday. But first, I do want to talk about where we are, I, 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 this is the this is the month, I guess. This is the wind up to NFL 2021. Here is 
before everybody goes to training camp, everybody's doing their lists. Everybody's doing like the bet, and it always is QBs. Everybody's like, let's rank the QBs. Top 10 QBs, top 15, top 32, whatever. And I thought, I love doing that. I've been doing that for 20 years. Everybody else does it now too. Um, I should weigh in with my 2021 version. And as I started to scratch it out, it just feels so fraudulent to try and determine as we sit here on the cusp of, or maybe we're even into the new era of quarterbacks led by Patrick Mahomes on down. And I do think my opening thought is in this little discussion that Patrick Mahomes is to some degree going to be a victim of his own success in that Everybody has decided Patrick Mahomes, obviously Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to be in Super Bowls forever. They're always going to be great for the next decade because they have Patrick Mahomes, who's the best to ever do it. But I don't think there's a great distinction between Mahomes and, let's say, Justin Herbert. And, you know, we keep our eye on Northeast sports here, Tucker. But I do feel like as this ties in, I saw on a couple of these rankings Lamar Jackson ahead of Justin Herbert and trying to figure out, not that it matters if I think Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert is bet one's better than the other, um, but in evaluating how do you rank the top 10 guys, I have Justin Herbert. Who would I rather have for the next five years, Lamar or Justin Herbert? I'd rather have Herbert. How say you? Um. I mean, contracts aside, contracts aside, because Jackson's about to get the big one, but. And that, and that's a very important distinction that you make there. Of course. Because that, that is a factor. Um, So here's what I always wonder, like, what are we talking about? Like if you started a new team, are we talking about who you think will be more productive for the teams that are on the next five years who you think will win more games? Like, are you saying if you started the, the Dave Damashek's, you'd rather have Herbert than Lamar Jackson? I have to come up with the name for my, well, it would probably be the Cool Cats. So much success in fantasy football. I probably would just go with uh, the Cool Cats spelled with two Ks in real football too. I, I mean, what struck me more than anything before I even noticed, like, wow, that's funny. I, I mean, Every most people who talk about football and talk about sports for a living base it off of what has already happened. So, of course, people are going to put Lamar Jackson ahead of Justin Herbert. But I was struck by more than anything else on these lists. All of a sudden, Matthew Stafford, people are kind of rewriting their own history about the way they've evaluated quarterbacks because Matthew Stafford is now solidly in everybody's top 10. And I, I defy you to find me a list even one year ago, forget five years ago, of one year ago, who anybody who said, oh, yeah, Matthew Stafford is obviously one of the top six or eight quarterbacks in the league. It's to your point, it's entirely circumstantial and people want to wash away like, well, he was on the Lions and that's why I didn't One, Are you evaluating him as a quarterback? Or are you evaluating his situation is exactly what you're getting at. But all of a sudden, people want you to not know that they didn't have Matthew Stafford in because it was easy to write him off when he was stuck in Detroit. But now that he's a le- on a legit Super Bowl contender, and by the way, he is going to the Super Bowl where he will meet Justin Herbert's uh, Los Angeles Chargers in an all-L.A. Super You're going all-L.A. Super Bowl? That's you're goddamn right. I am Brady, Brady. Brady won a Super Bowl in his home stadium. Now we're going one step further. I Either Stafford or Herbert's winning a Super Bowl in his home stadium. I got to ask something real quick. Yes. Because I had this guy on 
the Fantasy Feast podcast a week ago. Michael Beller, he does athletic stuff. Uh, he does fantasy stuff for the athletic. He's he's lower on Najee Harris than a lot of other people are from a fantasy perspective because he said he believes there is significant risk that the bottom falls out for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Who's this? You know, what do with, I know? I've heard this a million times. With quarterback. No, here's the thing. I don't know in my lifetime, maybe at some point in the 80s or 90s, but like, I don't remember the bottom ever dropping out for the Steelers. Like, they had some the bad 80s time? years. What's that? When was it? They 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 had some some low times in the in the eighties. Yeah, I mean they, they they had some losing records, but I mean maybe it will. But it's hard for me, and I and I always make fun of the people um, who just base everything off of what's already happened. Like yeah, Peyton Manning is obviously yeah, I know. It's hard to impugn a guy who has done stuff already in the past. The trick is to project what's about to happen. Um, I, I you know. It's been a decade and a half with Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. I, it's hard for me. I, I can get awfully cynical about my teams. It's hard for me to really conjure a path to them being an atrocious team when, again, they almost made the playoffs with Duck Hodges at the helm, you know, two years ago. So, I mean, how how doom and gloom do you expect me to get when they have T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, Minka Fitzpatrick on that defense? I, you know. It, it it feels too solid for things to sink to the bottom of the ocean in 2021. But tell me why I'm wrong. That's fine. Well, I, oh, you know what? Before you answer that, because the biggest question of all that I turn to you, Jeff Schwartz, and like two or three other human beings on the planet Earth for is O-line analysis. And of course, some of this is speculative for you. But Chooks and Banner uh, at the two tackle spots, some rookies and everybody else sprinkled in. But evaluate that. How hard is that for an offensive line to come together that's never played together? They're young fellas, generally speaking, on that offensive line or entirely now with DeCastro um, finished. So, I mean, how hard is it re realistically? Because that's what it all comes down to. The Steelers fell apart over the last, you know, quarter of the season because the offensive line fell apart and the quarterback has a bum knee and so he can't run away from pressure anymore. How improbable is it that the offensive line is adequate or a tick above adequate with a high-end running back with fresh legs and an old quarterback with a bunch of targets um, who can make plays if you get the ball in their hands? You know, it's funny because I, I, I just did my own line rankings. And um, the thing that's interesting is, you know, last year I had the Steelers in the top 10. So maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask. Because well, they did, the wheels I, came I, off. They got I, old. I, that's all. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Right now, I have the Steelers as the single worst offensive line in the NFL. Hmm. Well, that's um, a problem. If, if if the offensive line stinks, then, then maybe the wheels do fall off this year. But here's the thing. That's just because there's so many question marks. Right. Like, I thought Chooks was okay. Let's see what he does. I thought Dotson did some good things. Let's see mm -hmm. what he does. Center's a question mark. Trey Turner, I did not think was great for the Chargers last year. So that's a question mark. And then Banner was already a question mark. Now he's, he's a – torn ACL question mark. 
I, I guess here's what I would say. I don't think they'll end up being the worst offensive line in the NFL. But I got to go by, like, you know, for the rankings really become a matter of how many known commodities do they have that you feel good about and the continuity, right? Well, you start, there's nobody that has more question marks on the offensive line than the Steelers. Now, now that's the thing. Question marks aren't always, like, bad. Sometimes right, if they're coin flips, if you, if you uh, assume that each of the five spots is a coin flip, how many are going to come up the way you want them to? Three out of five? I mean, but then the thing that people say a lot is, who know about offensive line play, is it's a collective. It's not about your individual dominance. You just can't have a, a real weak link or the whole Correct. thing or the whole thing falls apart. So if they have even one weak link and it's lousy, then, you know, when you have a quarterback who's going to be a statue, you would assume this year, then right. Then probably it's hard, Zoom is them, it's hard to imagine them being one of the 20 best offensive lines, but there's a big difference between being 32nd and 22nd big difference. Uh, but you make a good point too, in the sense that they don't really have a quarterback that can make up for it anymore. You know, these other teams have quarterbacks that can make t- buy time, make up for it. Bad offensive line plus a quarterback that can't make up for it. It's a really bad combo. And I think that's why on the fantasy feast, he suggested that, look, he wasn't saying that the bottom was going to drop out for the Steelers. He was saying there's some percentage chance Mm -hmm. that the bottom drops out for the Steelers offensively. Look, defensively, they're they're a known – they're like a made guy. But offensively, I think there is some chance. I The flip side of that is with their skill and with Ben still throwing it, they're not going to be one of the five worst offenses in the NFL. Like, they're, they're just not. It does make the decision of your boy Juju to go back to the Steelers even more interesting, though. Well, I think he, you know, decided to to not take um, a mid-level kind of a deal. I th- It is a, a, an interesting play. I assume that it had to do with whatever spin they put on it. He didn't get the offer that he wanted to, so he figured it'll take one more year, you know, take 80 catches I don't know how many yards per catch he's going to have. I yeah, I mean it's all about the offensive line this year for them because of course the you're a victim of your own success. Certain guys are Aaron Rodgers is vexed with the Packers to some degree because they never gave him a high end receiver until at least Devonte Adams made the scene. But it's kind of like where are you already thriving, Aaron Rodgers? We're going to address other parts of uh, of the roster with that. Same thing with the with the Steelers. It's like. Roethlisberger, we don't have to give you the best offensive line. You won a Super Bowl. You beat the Cardinals in uh, in 2008 by wanting or running away from that pressure and letting guys bounce off of you. Um, that was a that was a bottom ten offensive line that the Steelers won a Super Bowl with, but that's now long in the rearview mirror. Um, so anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see about that. I do want to hear your thoughts because I do think that if the Steelers are in the you know, fighting it out position for one of those last uh, wild card spots or two. Obviously, where the Ravens sit 
is going to be a, a factor there because if you go through it, my recurring theme this summer is look at the AFC. Even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't land on the Broncos and it's looking less and less likely that he will, the AFC is so much more loaded than the NFC is. Um, I, I, have a, I have a hunch that the Ravens' defensive front seven is old and doesn't have a ton of depth there. And so that's going to be a little bit of a liability, high-end, secondary notwithstanding. And also some questions on the offensive line and the catch-up of defensive coordinators on what Lamar Jackson is trying to do and whether or not he's going to progress and the added receivers. Anyway, I think the Ravens could fall back a little bit. And, of course, Lamar Jackson can offset all the other issues, I said, by elevating his game. Will it happen, though, Ross Tucker? Um, I think the Ravens are in a sort of a weird purgatory unless Lamar can really improve a la Josh Allen, who, by the way, we could do a whole show on that. I've never seen a quarterback improve as much as Hmm. here's what I would say. I've never seen a quarterback improve as much as Josh Allen did over the last two years. I've never seen a quarterback fall off like Carson Wentz did last year. Ooh. I mean, it was Wentz went from being a top five, top 10 quarterback. He was the worst quarterback in the league. I mean, he led the NFL in interceptions and sacks. That ain't in play the last four games. I mean, that's hard to do. And then Josh Allen, to go from 52% to 58%, to 69%, like, that's bananas. Like, that is that is absolute bananas. Um, unless Lamar does that, I truly believe, Sheck, they're going to win 12, uh, 10 to 13 games a year in the regular season and probably a playoff game, maybe two. But I just don't know that he will – like, you get to the playoffs, they're going to be close games against good teams. I just don't know that Lamar is going to convert enough third down passes, whether it's some of the layups he misses or some of the tougher throws for the Baltimore Ravens to win four games in a row and say, we're the best in the world. Like I think they will be in the playoffs every year, as long as he stays healthy. And I think that they will be in the mix, but we've seen it now a couple years, actually three years in a row now. And I just don't, they're going to be playing against the Bills or the Browns or maybe the Chiefs, and it's going to be third and seven, a bunch, and it's just like I don't know that he's going to be able to do that. Man, I, all right, see, we already got to wrap it up with you. We'll continue this with Eddie Spaghetti. I want to keep this conversation going for another three and a half to five hours here because, yes, I am fascinated by what Tua can be. Can he elevate? Because you talk about Josh Allen, and now there's this ongoing assumption that the Bills rule the East. But what if Tua comes anything close to where we saw him before the hip injury? The assumption was not that he was going to be a capable NFL starter. It was the kind of buzz that we haven't heard since Andrew Luck type of heat. It was like, well, he, it's a given that Tua, whoever lands him, is going to be a really good team for a long stretch of time. And now it's a question mark and like, wow, then maybe they should have kept Fitzmagic and not the kids like maybe we should trade for Deshaun Watson and get rid of Tua I mean that was the buzz you know what Tua's three months problem. ago 
Tua's biggest problem is Justin Herbert. Like, Tua's biggest problem is Fitzpatrick and Justin Herbert. Like, Fitzpatrick clearly being better than him last year, it's a bad look. Herbert clearly being better than him last year, it's a bad look. It's a journeyman, and it's a guy taken after you. And they can give us all the reasons, and hopefully he's awesome this year because I like when there's more good quarterbacks. But ultimately, it's like you are what you are. Look at you. See, look at you. You just go on this whole thing of like, I've never seen any quarterback do what Josh Allen did. It's in the same division. Why can't Tua, who's the higher pedigree guy coming out of, you know, at at age 20, and now you can't conjure that Tua turns it around? I mean, like, so he had a weird, he had a weird return from hip injury and not to Alabama, but to the NFL. Hey, go, go play against NFL defenses in your first return from that hip injury that a lot of people thought ended your career. Maybe in year two back from injury, he's a different guy, right? I think they have a chance to beat the Bills and win that division this year. That's what I think. No, that's not happening. <laughs> I, mean, so- I think they're more likely to be third. I, I, I think, think that's an interesting good. point you make. I think the Patriots have turned around. I think, he has, a, I think he has a fine chance to be a good player, but like you can't. Not a single person would argue that he was better than Fitz last year or Herbert last year. So that doesn't mean he can't be this year, right? But. People aren't wrong for being skeptical when they see that a journeyman was clearly better than him and a guy taken after him was clearly better than him. All right. I'm defying your request about time limit, and I'm going to ask you one more question here. I I watched a documentary on my flight yesterday, the 30 for 30 on Bo Jackson, and it refreshed all my my memories. Of course, it's never Bo's not too far. Anybody who loves sports loves Bo Jackson. Very quickly, Ross Tucker. Instead of all the piety associated with, ah, this guy, uh, you know, who he, the, the inequity of, you know, some of the, some of the douchebags that are in our halls of fame, but now we're, we're T.O. can't get in because he, he, he was me or it, it took a while for T.O. because he wasn't nice to certain voters in, in, in the locker room is the dumbest inequity that, that uh, among the, the stupidest double standards that exist in sports. But I feel like we need a hall of all, and you're a great guy to go to on this. If we start a hall of all, I think one of the first people that needs to go in is Bo Jackson. All right, the numbers aren't there in baseball or football, but the entire body of work deserves it. Tell the youngsters like Eddie Spaghetti why Bo needs to be in some form of a hall of fame already. There are very few guys who professional athletes are in awe of. They were in awe of Bo Jackson. Like, you got to watch that 30 for 30 like you did, Check. The Major League Baseball guys would just tell the stories of his arm, his power, his speed. I mean, how about when he caught the one ball and he ran up the uh, – he ran, like, up the, up the fence, Okay. And then the NFL, to make guys, NFL guys look sm- slow, like he did, to run over them with ease. I mean, it's, uh, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a more impressive athlete in my lifetime. Like overall God-given athlete. All right, the great Ross Tucker. Check out all his work. You heard him pitch it. I, I, I kind of got fuzzy brain. He has so many podcasts. There he goes, Ross Tucker. 
um, Eddie Spaghetti very quickly. Like I say, I am not so sure that Tua isn't a different Tua in year Tua. And the Dolphins at plus 310, the Bills at minus 150. I don't know. I'm I'm awfully tempted there. Again, though, like I say, the wild card of the AFC this year is the Patriots. What they could be at least to the extent that they can impact who gets the number one seed. Because a lot of people, I know everybody loves the Chiefs, obviously, but it feels like the Bills are pretty close to the the Chiefs in people handing them the division title. The Patriots can miss that, can can muck things up for the Bills and Dolphins by being good and winning 9, 10 games this year. But the Dolphins at plus 310, the Patriots at plus 350. How say you? You, You're going to stick with the Bills there? No, I I I weeks I I have to do a better job of producing and find the exact clip, but I did say I, my my dark horse pick was the Dolphins to win the AFC East. Oh, it was I, okay. Sorry, I uh, I'm I'm a, was always been a Tua fan. I think Brian Flores, if he's not already, I think he's going to be that like that make that jump to like the oh like the super genius great um you know leader of men coaches you know like the the Sean McVay the Shanahan I guess he Mike Rabel to an extent he's gonna be that next group of guys that like everyone wants to play for I love their draft I said it right after the draft happened they're building up the offensive line which is what we're learning and that's why we had Ross on to talk about offensive line too is how important it is especially for a guy like Tua who is mobile who's coming off a hip injury it's not a you know a shoulder and knee thing where they're kind of used to a, a hip is you know it's such a it's a it's a hard part to it, you can't do anything on the football field if your hip or your back is not you know working properly for you so I think what the Dolphins did in the offseason uh you know improving the offensive line is great get their receivers now getting Waddle and they have Will Fuller there I mean they're going to have weapons for them and uh, I just uh I I like them as a entire team and yes like a lot falls a lot of pressure falls on Tua but I think he will you know there's a reason why he was so good for all those years in Alabama and such a high recruit coming out of Hawaii so I think that the I think they're going to be up to the task, and I, I do like them. And I do see even you know I do see a little bit of a drop back for the, the for the Bills. I think the Bills kind of exceeded expectations last year. They'll come back down a little bit back to earth. It'll be a, a pretty fun fight for the first place in the AFC East. Yeah, you know I guess uh, the takeaway is at least for me I'll have to figure that one out. I'll pray on it and, and let you know finally before you know on the eve of the season my final picks. And uh, we will give uh, win totals and everything else as we proceed through summer here. I mean, I feel less sure right now about the Bills than I do about the Browns winning the North. And we continue to see, I can't believe it hasn't changed after free agency and the draft. And for what it matters, Odell Beckham reports that, uh, you know, he's at uh, near top speed once again now, that the Browns continue to be behind the Ravens. Ravens as your North winner on FanDuel, a plus 115, Browns 145, and the Steelers. I know. Be cynical all you want. I hear you, everybody. I, you know, I, I'd like the Browns to win the division, but at minimum, st- uh, fun value at plus 440 for the team that is the reigning champ for what it matters of that division at plus 440 with their first ballot Hall of Famer still under center there. I do think the Steelers will get past the Ravens in the standings. I still like the Browns to win the division, and I can't believe that the bookmakers don't put the Browns ahead of the Ravens, given everything that we understand. Talk about um, leaning on what has been versus what will be. Um, I did clearly owed to that. But anyhow, make sure uh, if you want to make a wager on any of those things, and uh, again, like we say, um, Spaghetti and I are both on 
the Suns in game four and for the series. Make sure you bet all that at FanDuel.com. Slash minus three, the word minus the number three. And we'll be back in just two short days with our pal Kevin Hench to continue our evaluation of the upcoming pro football season. Spaghetti, we also got to get into some college football talk. We got to figure it out. And don't forget to let us know how you think uh, or who you think belongs in the inaugural Hall of All Class, Bo Jackson, or anyone else you want to float at us, tweet at us at uh, minus3pod, and uh, and perhaps we'll get through it on the next episode here. We'll read some tweets if we like them. And uh, for Ross Tucker and Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>